1: John Carter tells stories from down under, grace abounding where least expected.
0: Welcome today. We're so glad to have you with us. I'm going to talk today about grace abounding in the most unexpected places. Now, I've just come back from one of the most unexpected places where you think you're going to find grace, and that is in the land down under. I've got some terrific stories to tell you. Have you ever heard of the eastern brown snake? Well, you're going to see him today. I was going to say we brought one along so you can look at it. <laughs> but it's the second most dangerous snake in the world. I'm going to show you a picture of it today. I want you to take your Bible and come over here to the book of Romans, please. Romans, let me see what the text is when I get my eyes on. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. It's one of those super texts in the Bible. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound. The law doesn't give us too much good news. It tells us that we are offenders. But where sin abounded, grace, what does it say? Grace abounded much more. It says in the King James Version, where sin did abound. You know the text? Grace did. Mm-hmm much more abound. And even though things may look absolutely bad, this is an opportunity for God's abounding grace. Now, In the program last week, we talked about that great text in the Bible where God said to his people in the book of Deuteronomy, I'm going to make you the head, I'm not going to make you the tail. God says, I'm going to bless you in this way, and I'm going to bless you in that way. And so today we're going to talk about not just grace, but what is it called? Abounding grace, super grace. Now, Sydney is my hometown. And my town, which is called Sydney, is a secular society. When I first came to the United States of America, I was sort of amazed by how religious the people were. I went in to buy a a, a motor car and I got a Bible study. (laughs) I thought, there's no other country like this. This is not like it used to be, of course, but basically it is a very religious country. But Australia is not altogether very religious. The secular media in Australia would like to have you think that Christianity is finished in Australia. But as I said in that famous movie, <laughs> remember, remember the line? You're dreaming. <laughs> You're dreaming if you think Christianity is finished in Australia. Uh, Sydney is very close to my heart. In 1982, I had the privilege of running a campaign that lasted for six months in the Sydney Opera House. Sort of just love that place. I I know inside, backside, frontside. Had tremendous crowds come to the Sydney Opera House in totally secular Sydney. People say, "Um, this just doesn't happen. This is inside the Sydney Opera House. This is inside the great concert hall. Folks find this hard to believe now. But we have the largest crowds in the history of the Sydney Opera House and that record hasn't been broken. And this is going back, this is going back to the 1980s and there were people back there like Downing Thomas as they said, it can't happen, it won't happen, it's impossible, the days of public evangelism. Oh, please, don't play the old tune to me because I believe, and you believe, in abounding grace. And this, my friend, is in secular Sydney, where the skeptics in the church said, can't happen. The great Roman Catholic theologian, St. Augustine, said this, our souls were made for God, uh, and they cannot rest until they rest in him. There's something inside the human heart that is empty, restless, and lonely. And that is because of the lack of God. And even in secular Sydney, people are hungry for God. I want to read you a text. I want you to come over to one of the great texts. Matthew chapter 16, 13 to 18. Dear hearts and gentle people, here in beautiful Southern California, where it's not raining today, it's a beautiful sunny day. Matthew sixteen thirteen to 18, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. That means a stone. You are Peter, the stone. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is built upon the rock. That was Peter's confession. I say unto you, he said to Christ, you are the son of the living God. Christ, the son of the living God, is the rock on which Christ built his church. Now, I want you to know this. I want this to get down into the molecules of your mind. The church cannot be defeated because it is not built upon a man. It is built upon Christ. The church is not built upon the Pope. We're not here to discuss or argue with the Pope. But the Pope is not the rock. The Pope is a sinful human being like you and me. And if the church is built upon a sinful human being, the church is going to go down. But the true church of Jesus is built upon the rock. And you can't move the rock. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You can't get rid of the church in Australia. I don't care what the secular liberal media tries to brainwash the people into believing. They're wrong. Look at this church here. This is in Sydney, Australia. One of the biggest churches in the world. Sending missionaries around the world. They're even sending, wait for this one, (laughs) even sending missionaries to America. (laughs) Do you think we need them? Yeah, Yeah, you can't get rid of it. Can't get rid of the the church. You can't get rid of the kingdom of God. The Prime Minister of Australia, the Honorable Scott Morrison, and the leader of the opposition. This is the Prime Minister, and uh, at the center of the screen you have, uh, this is Parliament House, the great city of Canberra where we have lived. This is the leader of the opposition, Her Majesty's loyal opposition. This is the Westminster system, where the leader of the nation has to go before Parliament every week can be cross questioned. Think it's a good idea? Yes, it is, if you want honesty in government and if you want honesty from the politicians. But these are two of Australia these are Australia's two main leaders, and they're both Christians. Uh, One of the greatest disasters for the Christian church was the invasion of Iraq. Most people are not uh, aware what a disaster it was. We know Iraqi Christians who had to flee from Iraq to Australia, America, other countries because when Iraq was invaded, we almost destroyed the Christian church in Iraq. Did you know that? We almost destroyed the Jewish people. They had to flee and get out of Iraq. Tragedy. And when somebody was discussing the decimation of the Christian church in Iraq because of the invasion, an atheist said this, Christians should not be too worried because you can't kill the church. And I don't care what people say. You shouldn't be too worried because you can't kill the church. It is built upon Christ. And today I want to give you some glimpses of grace from the most unlikely place from down under. Recently, I went to Manila. And firstly, I flew to Sydney on what I think is one of the best airlines in the world. This is not a commercial. (laughs) I flew with Virgin Australia, Uh, just a great airline. Now the flight was delayed in Los Angeles and I had a flight to catch from Sydney to another place. I didn't have a lot of time. So I went and I spoke to one of the flight attendants and I said, it doesn't appear as though I'm going to have a lot of time. Oh, she said to me, we'll take care of you. This is a true story. When I got off and I was uh, at the carousel to get my bags, four of these girls came up to me and surrounded me. I thought, you know, it must be my good looks. (laughs) 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 I I just don't, can't make this out. You know, I had a huge birthday the other day, but I thought, you know, it must be, must be, even I'm, Getting pretty old, I must be looking sort of agile, and so I said, "What's up?" "What's, what's up?" They said, "We thought uh, you needed some help." <laughs> they sort of deflated me. They said, "We're not going to leave you." They helped me get my bags off the carousel. This is Virgin Airlines, huh? And uh, then uh, <laughs> they said, "We're going to get you quickly through customs." have you got anything to declare? I said, not to you. (laughs) They said, have you got anything to declare? I said, no, no, I got nothing. I got some chocolates from C's and all of this sort of stuff. And so they got around me, they took me through. Sort of amazing, isn't it? And then I had to check my bag in at another place. One of these girls said to me, "Uh, I'm, I'm going to come with you. I said, are you kidding? She said, no, I'm going to, she said, I'm going to make sure you're okay. She helped me get my bag on, check it through. Then she said, you're going to catch this virgin bus out here and give the gentleman, this youthful gentleman, she said, give him a ticket, make sure he's got a ticket. Then she took me out to the bus, got me on. She said, we want to make sure you're okay. Now I thought of the words of Jesus, the salt hasn't lost his savor. In the most unlikely place, I thought to myself, God has got his children everywhere, hasn't he? You know, you don't have to go into a church to find grace. Some time back, I was traveling with United Airlines. I'm not giving a plug for any of these airlines, but I like these airlines. I was flying on the On the Dreamliner, which I think is just the greatest plane in the sky. I love the Dreamliner. Um, I had to travel from the local airport, the domestic airport, across to the international airport. And I I was carrying two suitcases and a carry-on, and each suitcase weighed about 55 pounds. And I've got a big carry-on, and then I've got a thing around my neck in around my shoulder. And in that bag around my neck, I've got two passports, an Australian passport and American passport, depending on the reception of the country I go to. If I go to a country and they, I say to them, do you like Americans? They say, no, I say, take my Australian passport. <laughs> and if I go to a place, I say, do you like Australians?" They say, you can't stand them. I say, I'm an American, take my American passport. <laughs> anyway, I had my passport, I had $1,500 in cash. And my plane tickets with United. When I walked up to the counter, I travel in this little bus. Got all my bags out. I'm struggling. I go up to the counter, and I say, now, let me get my tickets. No bag. No cell phone. No wallet. No credit card. No cash. No passport. What do you do? She said, go to Lost and Found. I went to Lost and Found. No, no, we've never seen it, no. I I hang around. I was hanging around at Lost and Found. No, we haven't got it. The plane was about to take off and go back to Los Angeles. What am I going to do? I can't call Beverly. I can't call anybody on my team. I got no money. Well, what am I going to do? I don't even have a credit card. I thought, how dumb can you get? You put all your eggs in one basket and then you lost the basket. I left it on the bus. So I'm standing there and I'm praying and I'm thinking, oh God. And then all of a sudden I see the girl at the United desk. She's waving my bag. (laughs) I come over to her and I almost kissed her. She said to me, you left it on the bus. And she said, a young couple got on that bus after you. They opened it up and they saw your United ticket. They saw your name and they brought it here. They also saw $1,500 in cash. This happened in Sydney. They saw the money. They saw the passport. They saw my wallet. They saw the credit cards, And nothing was missing. So... You find grace in the most unexpected places. Look at Hebrews 13 and verse 5, dear hearts and gentle people. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You get that? God won't leave you. Uh, Even when you've, you've lost your passport and, You've lost everything. You can be on top even when you're down under and everything is beating you up. Now, I promised to tell you about the big brown snake. Mhm. Well, one day I was staying in Coorongatta, which is right on the the beach, a beautiful place in North New South Wales, and one night late I went for a walk, and as I was going for a walk, I had to walk past what Australians call a pub. You know what a pub is? It's a hotel and an old guy came in, a real old Australian, and he, a little tipsy, and he said to me, hey, sir, he said. Yeah, so I thought I'd better stop. He said, you look a very wise man. Now, he was drunk. He said, you do look a very, he, he said, why don't you and I get together and we're going to try to straighten out all these young people. He said, they're going off the rails, mate, he said. You and I ought to get together. I said, well, maybe they won't want to listen. Well, this old Australian stood there contemplating me, little tipsy, and he said, you know what? You're right. There's a snake in paradise. (laughs) And so in the best places, there's a snake. Look at this text here, Genesis 3, 1 and 2, snake in paradise. Genesis 3, now the serpent, who's that? The devil, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. There was a snake in paradise. Australia has got the most deadly snakes in the world. The second most deadly snake in Australia or in the world is the Eastern Brown. The most deadly snake is the inland Taipan or the fierce snake. We have a place in Australia to which we go on occasions and because it's out in the bush and for much of the time uninhabited and because it's right next to a mighty river, and there are lots of rodents in the bush, you have this creature. The eastern brown snake that has enough venom to kill 20 human beings. There's a snake in paradise. A number of years ago, it was winter time. I was staying out there by myself. I came down the long flight of stairs down to the bottom of the house, had no shoes on, didn't bother turning on the lights. I'm padding around in my pajamas and bare feet and I see what appears to be a rope. I think to myself, I don't remember leaving a rope there. So I go and get my glasses and I come back and lying um, across the floor next to one of the sofas is an Eastern brown. Fortunately, it's winter and he's cold. But if I'd stepped on him like a bolt of lightning, he would have pumped venom into me and I would have had only a short period of time to get to the doctor, to the hospital and receive antivenin, and be placed on a respirator. A dangerous snake, so I was able to get that snake outside. I won't tell you how. how. But there's a snake in paradise and where there's a snake, there's grace. There are some snakes that I have observed that are worse than brown snakes. Drugs, coke, heroin, addictive painkillers, worse than a brown. I've met in my life and you have too many snakes liars, cheats, and frauds. There are snakes in paradise. Be on your guard. But remember Jesus will soon destroy Satan the serpent. Romans sixteen twenty. Romans sixteen verse twenty and the God of peace will crush. Satan under your feet shortly, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. But there is, and you should remember this it doesn't matter how beautiful the circumstances or how nice your surroundings, there's a snake in paradise. I love watching birds. One day I was standing on my veranda. Looking out towards the ocean, and I was watching two eagles soaring. Ever done this? Watch them? Weren't flapping their wings, just soaring. And then I saw a little mother bird beating her wings like crazy. He was trying to get altitude because she had a great attitude, and off she got. And when she got up high above the eagles, she dive bombed them. <laughs> Talk about courage. She died bombing the eagles, but they sort of just mm, let her go. I stood there and I watched these mighty eagles. And as they were soaring, they weren't flapping. Um, no exertion, they were just, mm, just soaring. I stood there and watched them until they were up thousands of feet. No hard work. You know what I thought? Uh, It's a bit like grace. Most of the time we spend our time flapping and fretting and fussing when salvation is by grace. Please look at Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. It's one of my favorite texts. I read it last night to a Jewish friend of mine uh, who is a doctor who is not being... In good health. He's not doing too well at present. He's going to get better, though. Reading this text Isaiah chapter 40, 27 and onwards. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My just claim is passed over by my God. What's God doing? Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen to it. They shall mount up. They shall mount up. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, and not be weary. They shall walk, not faint. Now my friend, I go through life sometimes fretting, fussing, trying to get impossible things to happen. But the Bible says, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I saw this down under. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's grace. It's not hard work. It's letting God put his wind under your wings. And when you have uh, the wind of God under your wings, you'll be on top, even when you're down under. And we'll be back in just a moment. Please stay with us.
1: The reviews for the John Carter biography are in, and this is what they say. Anyone who reads this fascinating book and is not moved should check to see if they still have a pulse. I believe this book about God's miracles in Russia and Ukraine will burn the flame in your heart. This could prove to be one of the most important books ever written about public evangelism. Make sure you get a copy. I believe this book about John Carter's life will help readers grasp a vision for their lives. For a donation of $100 or more, A signed copy of the John Carter biography can be yours by writing to us at the address on the screen or visit our website. Greater Manila is more than 20 million souls. Almost all these beautiful people are ignorant of the true gospel of Christ. Manila needs Jesus. 35 years ago, John Carter came to Manila. Pastor Carter is returning to Manila with an urgent assignment. Preach the gospel of Christ and the great truths of the Bible. Don't water down the message. Make it plain, make it clear, make it Christ-centered. The Carter Report needs your help now to light a fire in the Philippines. Your gift will help open the doors of bondage, smash the chains of sin, and open the gates of paradise to thousands of lost souls. The churches have sent out an urgent plea for the Carter Report to return. Help us proclaim the true gospel of Christ to the beautiful Filipino people. Please send your support to the address on the screen, visit our website, or call the Carter Report. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900